In Nevada, we have just put together a multi-generational, multi-racial coalition which is going to sweep this country. Did something happen over the weekend? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. <laughs> I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. We're also heard in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. And yes, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing planet earth five days a week i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today we have a lot to get to it was oh for a change a busy weekend (laughs) but we're uh glad you could uh, make it here glad we could make it here desi doyan that was uh, her cackle you just heard there hi des yes it's the usual nothing ever stops ever everything has to happen all at once apparently it does. It does now. That's the world we now live in. Hey, Des, are you familiar with the election administrator's prayer? Uh, you know, it sounds familiar, actually, but it, uh, don't know no, it I can't remember right. it. No. It, it is some variation of please, please, please let the winners win big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or more directly, Lord, let this election not be close. Yes. That is uh, known as the election administrator's prayer uttered by pretty much, I suspect, every election administrator in the world prior to Election Day. Uh, Certainly no more so now than here in our country. Uh, Well, it looks like that prayer has mostly come true for the election administrators in Nevada over the past weekend, where the election administrators in question were not actual election officials per se, Uh, Because Nevada holds caucuses, at least they do for now, not primaries, which are run by, you know, state and county election officials. But caucuses are held by the parties and they are run by party members and volunteers and so forth. Uh, As far as I can tell, the only thing that kept the Nevada caucuses from becoming a full-blown Iowa caucus-like meltdown for Democrats this year 
is that Bernie Sanders appears to reportedly have won it by a landslide as opposed to the Iowa caucuses, where we actually still don't know who was the confirmed winner, but where Sanders appears to have received the most votes in Iowa. And Pete Buttigieg, at least as the math stands now, received like one-tenth of a percentage more in the race for what they call state delegate equivalents in Iowa. So we it was so close there. One guy wins the uh, popular vote. The other guy maybe wins the, uh, the delegate, delegate count. count in Iowa. Yeah. So that was a mess. And of course, I suspect everyone will be talking about that for weeks and weeks, if not years and years. But in Nevada, it took nearly as long for the bulk of re results, either, you know, correct results or not, to come out. But Sanders had such a clear lead in those results that that allowed the media to announce him the winner pretty early on Saturday night and otherwise ignore the fact that as of, you know, Sunday morning, the day after the caucuses, we still only had about 50 percent of the results being reported. But because Bernie won, apparently, so handily by so many votes, everyone, you know, in the media seemed to be uh, pretty much satisfied with the way the Nevada caucuses went, proving once again that the corporate media does not actually care about voters or actual results. They just care about getting their headline, which they got pretty early, so they could declare Bernie won. With I think it was four percent in at the time. Yeah, Ber it was Bernie ridiculously won. low, and yet they were calling it immediately, which yep. always frustrates me because it's like, please, can you just let the voters finish voting first? Well, the voters did finish, but they didn't finish counting. Right, and that was you know, but that was all they needed. They needed Bernie won. They got their headline, they and they all home. went away, <laughs> despite the fact that hours and hours went by, and there was still only four four percent of the results in. But, you know, the media went home without a complaint uh, about the fact that the results were incredibly slow to be reported and, frankly, are still in question, at least by uh, at least by one of the campaigns, which, by the way, I am fine with the results being questioned. I think they should always be questioned and overseen and checked and double checked. I'm in no hurry. But, you know, usually the media is is furious about any sort of delay. Well, not now because they got a winner and they could just, you know, move on to the next contest, I guess. But, yeah, I have no problem if it takes time, especially if it means that the eventual results will actually accurately reflect the intent of the voters in a way that the voters can know for sure that the results were accurate. Or in this case, the caucusers in Nevada. But how all of the voters voted, I think, is kind of important, uh, even with a Bernie landslide, because second and third and fourth place and beyond will have a big effect on how the rest of the nominating contest plays out before this Saturday's South Carolina primary. And then just three days later, on March 3rd, it's the Super Tuesday primaries in about 14 states including, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention in your particular state. Yeah, you're you're up to bat about a week from today in Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont and Virginia, all voting 
on uh, Super Tuesday, March 3rd. That's a lot of election administrator pra- prayers to be said. Yes, it is a lot of prayers. A lot of radio, ho- a lot of uh, uh, election integrity radio host prayers as well, <laughs> by the way. Uh, California and Texas in particular will represent a lot of delegates that uh, could, frankly, wrap all of this whole thing up uh, sort of in one way or another. California has 415 Democratic delegates at stake next Tuesday. Texas has 228 up for grabs with overall 1,357 of the nearly 4,000 total delegates at stake throughout the entire cycle, all up for grabs next Tuesday. So if you haven't made your plans for how you are going to vote, if you live in one of those 14 states, now is a good time to get ready. But for the moment, uh, let's take a look at uh, what we know uh, to have happened reportedly in Nevada at this hour, even as there remains, as I said, uh, as is still the case in Iowa, questions about the accuracy of the results. As of Monday, with what is being described anyway as 100 percent of the results finally reported, yes, it took three days and hey, nobody died. Yes, it was, in fact, a Bernie landslide. Big time for uh, Bernie Sanders, who reportedly ended up with some, let's see, 46.8 percent of the vote and 24 pledged delegates along with it. Uh, We now know that second place was former Vice President Joe Biden way back at just over 20 percent of the vote. So Bernie got almost 47. Joe Biden, uh, just over 20. That's percent a huge. Of the vote. Yeah, that is a huge, huge. difference. Uh, and that means where Bernie got uh, 24 pledged delegates, Joe Biden got nine. In third place, reportedly, was Pete Buttigieg with just over 14 percent of the uh, of the vote. So that is Also, uh, a fair distance away from Joe Biden. That's uh, almost six points behind Joe Biden, who was in turn 27 points behind Bernie Sanders. Coming in fourth, uh, Elizabeth Warren with 9.7 percent of the vote. She was going back and forth over the past three days into the double digit territory above 10 She would have been the only one to uh, also hit double digits there. But it looks like if these numbers are to be trusted and who knows at this point, uh, she comes in just under double digits with 9.7 percent of the votes and zero pledge delegates. Then we drop way down to Tom Steyer at uh, under 5 percent and at uh, 4.7 to be exact with Amy Klobuchar down at 4.2 percent. That is it. Warren, Steyer, and Klobuchar all received zero pledged delegates uh, with the percent uh, that they uh, received, at least as of now. And the popular votes, that was a clear victory as well, obviously, for Bernie Sanders. And these results, again, said to be 100 percent, were issued by the Nevada Democratic Party despite a plea by the Buttigieg campaign to not release the full results due to what that campaign characterizes as errors in the caucus calculations. Now, we heard similar complaints after the Iowa race from a number of campaigns, including, as I recall, Sanders and Biden, if I remember correctly, uh, maybe also from Buttigieg. 
but certainly from the media who were able to oversee the largely transparent, if at times absurdly complex, caucus math in Iowa. And they, too, reported that they saw errors made at the caucus level, at the precinct level, not by not, you know, the party, not rigging the race, not uh, putting their thumb on the scale. But apparently people uh, who are doing the complicated math at each caucus site sometimes getting it wrong. Yeah, making errors. And those then were signed off on by the campaign representatives. Yeah, the errors, that's right. At each place, each campaign uh, representative had to sign off on those numbers so as they if they were correct. So they all agreed on the error. But, and the yeah. errors did not seem to affect any one race any more than any others, although some uh, campaigns said, oh, this was uh, you know meant to get us. That does not appear to be the case. Now, uh, Buttigieg is, as I said, challenging these numbers. But on Sunday, Nevada Democrats rebuffed a request from his campaign to hold off on releasing the final numbers from Saturday's caucuses, according to The Washington Post, until the party rectifies a series of errors that the campaign says it has discovered. At issue is the way the state party combined preferences from four days of early voting with caucus day support. And this was an intricate process that caused tensions between the state party and the presidential campaigns in the days leading up to the to the caucuses, according to Washington Post, largely because the state party was somewhat less than transparent on how the process was even going to work all the way up to caucus day. It was unclear. Now, it was the first time, uh, to my knowledge, that any presidential caucus has included early voting options for caucus goers. And boy, howdy, did the early voters, early caucusers take advantage of it with about 75,000 taking advantage of about four days of early voting over uh, uh, a weekend ago, the weekend before the official caucus day. In 2016, there was only a total of about 86 thousand caucus goers in full so 75,000 showed up this year for early voting alone right so that was a lot of early voters and it was unclear how the results where they were able you know to in in that early voting they were able to vote for their first choice and their second choice essentially ranked choice voting how those results would then be folded in to the live caucusing on Saturday where there were two rounds of voting uh, that took place and supporters of uh, candidates who did not have the required threshold of support were then required to choose another candidate for the for the second and final round of voting. And if you think that you're confused by all of that, uh, imagine how the caucus goers felt where some reported on Saturday. And I heard this from a number of such folks uh, who were actually attending the caucuses, voting in them, that the caucus leaders in many cases did not seem to understand the rules. Things got a bit messy at times, at least as far as uh, whether everything was being done as per the rules, whatever those rules were supposed to be. In a Saturday night letter, Michael Gaffney, the Buttigieg campaign's national ballot access and delegates director, asked the state Democratic Party to release separate early vote numbers and in-person numbers for each precinct to correct any errors arising from integration of those early votes into the caucus day results and to explain, quote, anomalies in the data. So you see... 
even though the uh, even though the media went home, they said they declared Bernie won. Then they went home. They were already de- moved to South Carolina for the next primary. It was a Saturday, you know. They were done. They were busy. Come they on, were done. What do you want? Uh, even though that happened, yes, there were still problems. And frankly, had 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 but- but- had Sanders been in the position that Buttigieg was in here, I suspect we would still be hearing about the concerns about how people voted and how those votes were counted at the Nevada caucuses on um, on Saturday. Now, and by the way, that is to the credit of the Sanders supporters who see these problems and raise holy hell about it. That's a good thing to get people's attention. Very much like Republicans do when they perceive you go. problems. Yeah. They, they speak up. They do not rest until they get it figured out. Are you calling uh, Bernie Sanders supporters Republicans? Are I you am not. likening them to the <laughs> evil? No, oh, I am not. Okay. Yeah, you better not be. <laughs> anyway, so no, I, so I'm glad they do that. I'm not quite as glad that uh, many of the Sanders supporters uh, see problems where it turns out there are none, but that's uh, that's a fight for a different Twitter war, I guess. But what happened is, okay, so Buttigieg would like to have even more numbers. Now, after the 2016 Democratic presidential cycle, the party made a number of changes. Among them, uh, they basically begged state parties to not use caucuses for a lot of reasons, because they're confusing, because they are not very inclusive. You have to be available to give up, you know, three or four hours of your day to participate. So they pushed the uh, states to use primaries instead of caucuses. Those are run by state election officials instead of party volunteers. But since the DNC apparently uh, can I guess cannot tell state parties how to choose their uh, their nominees, they decided they said okay, if a state used a caucus, then they had to at least try to be more inclusive. You know, because it makes it hard for people to participate for three or four hours on the specific day that they are held. So they required caucuses to either add early voting or some form of remote voting. And this was a request uh, from the Hillary Clinton folks after the 2016, because I think Bernie did better than her in a lot of the caucuses around the country. So uh, the Clinton folks wanted that change made. And in fact, early voting, as we've noted, was added in Nevada. And Iowa was hoping to add a form of remote uh, voting by, by phone or by smartphone. Thankfully, that scheme was nixed after cybersecurity experts, basically in the in the uh, uh, months leading up to the Iowa caucuses, begged the party to please not do that. Please do not allow remote phone voting for security reasons. And for once, apparently, the party actually listened to the cybersecurity experts on that. How about that? And so they they got rid of that plan. uh, And that's for for remote phone voting, thankfully. But apparently they stuck with their plan to use a smartphone app to report the results. And, well, you know what happened in Iowa thereafter. So that was done uh, for uh, for the Hillary folks, essentially, after 2016. For the Bernie folks after the 2016 race, his campaign wanted to see more transparency in the numbers. And that is why we are now seeing the results of the popular vote totals in both the first and final rounds of voting in these caucuses. 
along with the total percentages of delegates won using the complicated math formulas, etc. But uh, Sanders was upset, and justifiably so, in 2016 because due to the crazy caucus math in Iowa, Clinton received ended up receiving that year the, the most state delegate equivalents, as they call them, even though Sanders had contended that he had won the popular vote. And well, this year we saw how that can happen. A similar thing happened uh, in Iowa this year. Buttigieg barely edged out Sanders in the delegate count, but Sanders soundly defeated Buttigieg for the popular vote in Iowa in both the first and final round. So no wonder he wanted that out. Now, it's the Buttigieg campaign that wants to see how the early vote uh, numbers differed from the in-person caucusing numbers, how they all broke down to assure that the math was correct. And frankly, I don't blame uh, I don't blame him at all. And as I said, had Sanders not taken first place in a landslide, I suspect his supporters would also be demanding those numbers as well. Buttigieg's campaign wrote in their letter to the party over the weekend, given how close the race is between second and third place, we ask that you take these steps before releasing any final data. The letter alleged a slew of problems, including 200 incident reports from across the state. By the campaign's account, the issues included early vote data not being delivered or being delayed, the data figuring improperly in caucus day calculations, and the data being allocated to the wrong candidate. They wrote in at least one location, early vote data from the wrong precinct was used. Well, the state party did not wait to release their final uh, numbers They did not wait to release uh, a a breakdown of early voting versus in-person voting, but uh, hopefully they will eventually. I say the more transparency, the better. The party for their part said we never indicated we would release a separate breakdown of early vote and in-person attendees by precinct, and we will not change our reporting process now. Uh, They said that if any campaign wishes to query the results, they would have to do so through a formal method that is laid out in the party's recount guidance. Well, we will see if Buttigieg bothers to make that formal request. For now, however, it was Bernie's night in Nevada as he thanked voters from Austin, Texas, where the Vermont senator had already traveled uh, by Saturday night. And now I'm delighted to bring you uh, some pretty good news. I think all of you know we won the popular vote in Iowa. We won the New Hampshire primary. And according to three networks in the AP, we have now won the Nevada caucus. In Nevada, we have just put together a multi-generational, multi-racial coalition, which is going to not only win in Nevada, it's going to sweep this country. And in Nevada and in New Hampshire and in Iowa, what we showed is that our volunteers are prepared to knock on hundreds and hundreds of thousands of doors 
that no campaign has a grassroots movement like we do, which is another reason why we're going to win this election. We are going to win across the country because the American people are sick and tired of a president who lies all of the time. They are sick and tired of a corrupt administration. They are sick and tired of a president who is undermining American democracy, who thinks he is above the law, and who apparently has never read the Constitution in this country. That was Bernie Sanders from Austin, Texas, at his Nevada victory speech down in the Lone Star State. You can do the math there. Uh, for for his part, uh, Pete Buttigieg, who appears to have come in third, and by the way, a fairly distant third at that, he set out to attack the now pretty clear front runner, at least for this week, uh, in uh, Mayor Pete's own remarks on uh, Saturday Night Nevada. Before we rush to nominate Senator Sanders in our one shot to take on this president, let us take a sober look at what is at stake for our party, for our values, and for those with the most to lose. There is so much on the line. This is important. We share these ideals, but I believe the best way to defeat Donald Trump and deliver for the American people is to broaden and galvanize the majority that supports us on the critical issues. Senator Sanders believes in an inflexible ideological revolution that leaves out most Democrats, not to mention most Americans. That is the choice in front of us. We can prioritize either ideological purity or inclusive victory. We can either call people names online or we can call them into our movement. We can either tighten a narrow and hardcore base or open the tent to a new and broad and big-hearted American coalition. This is our shot. This is our only shot to beat Donald Trump. So I am asking Americans to make sure that we get this choice right. So that was Pete Buttigieg, and uh, he also had some other, I don't think we got all of them there, he also had some other sort of direct attacks on Bernie Sanders. Oh, quite a few, yes. You heard him there calling uh, you know, his narrow, hardcore, ideological, calling people names online. Inflexible. I, I, you know, so I'm not uh, choosing any sides here, frankly, in any of this. And Democrats, you know, they could run however they, they wish to run. But if you're making an attack on another candidate that Republicans would be delighted in playing over and over again in their own commercials, if the person that you're attacking ends up winning the nomination, that seems to me to be an ill-considered idea. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. And, and I could tell you, had Sanders used some of those uh, sort of uh, direct attacks against Clinton back in 2016 or against any of the other candidates now, he would be vilified for it. Uh, and frankly, rightly so. 
Uh, Nevada's second place winner, at least according to the results, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. He was a bit more uh, generous, I think, in uh, in his remarks on Saturday night. You know, I know we don't have the final results yet, but I feel really good. You put me in a position. You know, the press is uh, ready to declare people dead quickly. Um, but we're alive and we're coming back and we're going to win. I think we're in a position now to move on in a way that we haven't been until this moment. I think we're going to go. We're going to win. We're going to win in South Carolina. And then Super Tuesday, and we are on our way. The iron workers, firefighters, teachers, culinary, the ATU, and so many others. I've said a hundred times, you're the reason why I'm in this. You're the ones who built the middle class. You're the ones who brought us back. By the way, this time when we rebuild the middle class, we've got to bring everybody along. Everybody along. Black, brown, women, men, straight, across the board. The idea that somehow uh, people are just figuring this out is kind of surprises me. But, you know, uh, everybody's just looking for a shot. No one's looking for a handout. Everybody's looking for just an even shot. And uh, they don't feel like they're getting a chance because they're not. They're being left behind. But I promise you, I give you my word as a Biden, I'm going to bring everybody along this time. There you go. Joe Biden at his uh, second place victory speech, I guess (laughs) we call that. I don't know. Now, whether that second place victory uh, will be enough to keep Biden's uh, flagging campaign alive much longer, all all likely comes down to his performance on Saturday in South Carolina, where the latest polls show him keeping the what is becoming a very slim edge now over Bernie Sanders. Previously, Biden had a much bigger lead uh, in uh, in in South Carolina. He had considered that to be his firewall this year. We will see if that firewall holds by the end of the week, uh, because everything seems to be changing. And very quickly. Yes, very quickly. While uh, Warren, for example, Elizabeth Warren, she came in fourth in Nevada. I mentioned that she was almost double digits and then she fell back down to uh, single digits. That was following what many regarded as her best debate performance to date on, uh, was it Wednesday before the Saturday caucuses? Right, but as I understand it, most or much of the early voting had already occurred yeah. before that Nevada debate had exactly. happened, which is one of the things you've been warning yes, people about, which is hold off on turning yes. in your early vote until the day of the election. Exactly. So you know exactly who you really do want to Yeah, vote for. she did really well. She uh, brought in a whole bunch of money after that performance, but, you know, I think the majority of people had already voted in early voting. So uh, and now a new national poll out today from uh, CBS YouGov. And again, we don't run national elections, so don't take too much from this. But it gives you an idea of where the uh, candidates are and and movement between them. Uh, Warren has now surged into second place behind Bernie Sanders. As of today in the nationally. CBS nationally in the CBS uh, YouGov poll after many had been writing her off entirely uh, for the record. Bernie in this poll still has a big lead. He's uh, got 28 uh, percent. Warren is down at 19 percent. She's in second place, followed by Biden at 17, 
Bloomberg at 13. He still seems to be fading. Buttigieg at 10. Klobuchar down in single digits with five. Tom Steyer with two. Tulsi Gabbard, who's still in this race, got 1% in this poll. By the way, Tom Steyer went all in in Nevada and uh, still did not manage to pick up any delegates at all in the uh, Nevada caucuses, coming in, what, one, two, three, four, five, fifth, down at uh, less than 5%. Of course, all of this, unless one candidate or another is able to win at least 1,991 delegates uh, before this summer's Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee. All of this could end up being a mess for Democrats, especially with so many establishment folks in the party and in the media seemingly freaking out about Bernie Sanders' surge. Tell you what, let's uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some of that media freak out over Bernie Sanders right after this. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Yeah, they sure are freaking out, aren't they? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Maybe they're freaking out for good reason. Maybe these Democrats are so smart and these corporate media folks are so smart. They are freaking out for good reason over Bernie Sanders apparently taking, uh, well, certainly an insurmountable lead in Nevada. But there's a lot of states left to go, and uh, they were, man, they were just kind of freaking out. This uh, montage from Caucus Night, I think, are all of these from Caucus Night? Yes, this is all from Caucus Night. This gives you an idea of at least how uh, the folks over at MSNBC, who often closely align with the Democratic Party establishment, how they seem to be freaking out about Bernie's surge among voters. I think this is going to be very frustrating for pundits, very frustrating for media consultants and everyone who's trying to figure this out logically. Bernie Sanders is walking away with it. He's doing it now. He's probably going to win his third contest today, big time. The happiest person right now, it's about 1.15 Moscow time. This thing is going very well for Vladimir Putin. I promise you. He, he, he's probably staying up watching us right now. How you doing, Vlad? <laughs> That's absolutely right. And I'm wondering whether the, the, the Democratic moderates want Bernie Sanders to be president. 
I mean, that's maybe a too exciting a question to raise. They don't like Trump at all. Do they want Bernie Sanders to take over the Democratic Party in perpetuity? Largely people of color of those, the majority are Latino and they are clearly, at least from eyeballing it, strongly in favor of Bernie Sanders with Joe Biden coming in second. No one else is as hungry, angry, enraged and determined as Sanders voters. Democrats need to sober up and figure out what the hell they're going to do about that. We are fortunate to be able to talk to James Carville. Well, I, I, I will mention names that I get any number of calls from panicked congressional incumbents. I, 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 I know what's happening out there. I got a good, a, a real good idea. Is, is, is part of the, the blame that the media shoulders in this is that we respond to the squeaky wheels? The entire theory that by expanding the electorate, increasing turnouts, you can win an election is, is the equivalent of climate denial. All right. That when people say that, they're as stupid to a political scientist is, is a climate denier is to an atmospheric scientist. If you're voting for him because you think he'll win the election, because he'll galvanize heretofore uh, sleepy parts of the electorate, then politically, you're a fool. You're describing what sounds, you a, sounds a lot like political suicide. And um, I think we need a, a psychologist to understand that. I, okay, I want you to call ahead. Tom Steyer and tell him how the cow ate the cabbage. I want you to call him and tell him to take all those millions of dollars that he has spent in Nevada to get nothing and all the millions he spent in South Carolina and all the, in the, the few votes he's getting, he needs to be spending that money making sure voters right. understand the choices they have in this primary between now and the end of March. Yeah, a Will lot you call of <laughs> But the, the Sanders campaign and the Trump campaign, they've taken these things to dark arts of abusing the press, of bullying the press. I mean, what, what do we yeah. miss in terms of paying attention to a squeaky, angry minority and ignoring the majority? If I gave you a, a ballroom with all the candidates on the Democratic side, not name Bernie, and what, what happened <laughs> in that ballroom stayed in that ballroom, what would you say to them gathered together the day after the Nevada caucuses? I just say we got to win. <laughs> the narrative that you're starting to see play out, Chris, is that there are people that are concerned, strategists that are concerned, that Bernie Sanders being the top of the ticket will, will force us to lose the House. Because if he's the nominee, that's the top of your ticket. That's the top of your ticket for Senate races, House races, gubernate, everything. Figure out what you're going to do, because that's looking likely. I don't necessarily think that's the, the case. It's How about early. the future? It's early. Everybody knows the issue now is going to be Bernie versus some alternative. Some, not necessarily a moderate. It could be Elizabeth Warren. But there has to be some alternative, or we're not going to have a real contest here. Bernie's going to walk away with it. The whole thing, all the way to Milwaukee. So how do you get an alternative? But he has to explain to him at some point, why has he been so adventurous with these left-wing uh, regimes around the world? Uh, explain his view in the, in the Cold War. I think he just had to explain. I don't think he's on the red side or anything or disloyal. I think he just had to explain what socialism means to him today. Jesus Christ. That was a total freak out. And by the way, that was a montage put together by Now This News. They did a great job of that to sort of encapsulate this this literal freak out that was going on on MSNBC. And that was their music in the background. Yes, that was their music. scary music music about how terrified all of these people are. And you know what? Like I say, maybe they have, maybe they know something that we don't. Maybe there's a reason to be terrified. Uh, But uh, political suicide? 
they are calling it? It's a little overstating it, maybe. I mean, uh, didn't isn't that what they said about Donald Trump, that he was political suicide if they selected him as their nominee on the Republican side? For the Republican Party, yeah. Man, that suicide has worked out pretty well for Republicans, it appears to me. What do I know? Uh, so that just gives you an idea. Um, at, at the same time, as I mentioned, it's going to be hard for, it could be hard, we'll see. If everyone stays in the race, it could be hard for uh, any one candidate to get the required delegates that they would need to win on the first uh, on the first ballot at the uh, summer's uh, Democratic convention in Milwaukee. Uh, and you know, there was a question: Was it at the? Yeah, it was at the Nevada debate. It was a question of all the candidates, uh, basically saying, "Hey, do you believe if no one gets a majority that?" The person with the most votes should become the nominee. Basically, they all all of the candidates, except for Bernie Sanders, said, I think we should follow the rules of the party. And the rules of the party are if no candidate has the required number of delegates on the first ballot, then they go to a second ballot and the so-called superdelegates come in and they get a say in the second ballot. That was what everyone except Bernie was in favor of. He said the one who has the most votes should get the nominee nomination. Um, maybe so. But, and we talked a little bit about it last week, um, the fact is, of course, Bernie Sanders is calling for that because he will be the one who has the most votes going into the uh, convention. I don't know if he would feel that way if, you know, he was in a close second place. Eric Levitz of uh, New York Magazine's Intelligencer, I think, hit on hit on the issue right on the money. He said virtually no one has a strong context neutral opinion on whether a candidate who enters the convention with only a plurality of delegates should automatically get the nomination, no matter how small that plurality may be. He says in a world where, for example, Mike Bloomberg got 30 percent of the vote, Bernie got 28 percent of the vote, and Elizabeth Warren got 23 percent of the vote, he argues that very few Sanders supporters would denounce the idea of Warren delegates being released over to Bernie to put him over the top on the second ballot. And they would uh, call that uh, they would not call that an affront to democracy, as many of them are suggesting now. Right. In other words, your opinion on whether the rules should be followed or the majority, the person who gets the most votes, the plurality should be followed, really depends upon the context of who your candidate is and who you'd accept as somebody who could be released. Their candidates could be released to your candidate. Yep. Uh, it's all about who you're supporting, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's not about democracy. One of the reasons, by the way, that on this show and at bradblog.com, we do not uh, endorse candidates one way or another. Uh, the, all the candidates seem to have plenty of supporters. It's the voters who don't have the support. That's who we endorse. That's who we fight for. Speaking of those voters, uh, let's take a quick break here and we will come back with concerns about South Carolina's primary this Saturday. And yes, Super Tuesday, just three days later. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to the Bradcast. (laughs) 
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the world-famous Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, uh, yeah, with the Nevada caucuses sort of, kind of, mostly behind us, uh, with just some mopping up to do, apparently, uh, at least in Nevada, even with the questions about the results that uh, some campaigns have, uh, at least we get to see the math to know there could or couldn't be problems. At least eventually we will know who actually did win and who actually did lose. That will not necessarily be true in South Carolina's primary this Saturday. Or even in California, where early voter uh, early voting got underway out here in Los Angeles over the weekend uh, on the same day as the Nevada caucuses. And suffice to say, it did not go well. Oh, dear. Uh, Not that anyone has been warning about (laughs) these sorts of problems with the largest county in the nation moving to 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems for the most critical election, arguably in the nation's history. Uh, but yes, in uh, in South Carolina, uh, just well, yeah, kind of maddening. But South Carolina uh, is moving to 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices across the entire state. And they will be uh, in their first use this Saturday. I'm sure all will go well. The uh, state moved to 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices this year, trading them in for their previous 100% unverifiable touchscreen direct recording electronic devices, which had failed repeatedly in election after election over the past decade or so. If you listen to this show for a while or read the Brad blog, you're probably familiar with uh, some of them. If Alvin Green If that name rings a bell for you, yes, that was South Carolina. That was a primary where some unknown guy, literally unknown guy who had who didn't campaign, didn't have a campaign website, lived with his parents, lived with his parents, had no money. Not that there's anything wrong with living with your parents, by the way. No, but it it sort of gives you a sense of how professional a campaign he might have. No one had ever heard of him, and he lost in a U.S. Senate primary. To a guy who had been a judge for years, who had been a state uh, uh, official for years, who campaigned all across the state. And that was thanks in no small part to the ESNS touchscreen systems that they used to use in South Carolina. They've now switched to an all new system. Yes, made by ESNS, also a touchscreen system. It's called the Express Vote. Uh, and who knows if it will uh, work or not this Saturday, even if it does work, even if voters are allowed to vote when you're using um, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices. You can never know after the election if any of the so-called paper ballot summaries that are printed out actually 
reflect the will of the voter, reflect the intent of the voter. A uh, recent study by the University of Michigan found that just 7% of voters actually uh, notified officials when the uh, ballot marking device, the BMD, had flipped one of their votes. 93% did not notice when the wrong selection was printed out on their ballot after using the touchscreen that prints out these paper ballots. Uh, now, of course, it's easy to say, oh, well, that's South Carolina, of course. That's one of those backwards, you know, Republican-leaning states that, of course, they don't want a voting system that can be overseen by the public. All right, maybe. Then what's a Democratic-run Los Angeles County's excuse? We, by the way, have more registered voters in Los Angeles County in this one county in California than the entire population of the state of South Carolina. Uh, well, Saturday was the first day of early voting for the March 3rd Super Tuesday primary in a whole bunch of states, including here in L.A. County, which uh, regular listeners will know is moving for the first time to both voting centers, about 1,000 of them replacing our previous 5,000 or so community-based precincts, uh, where voters can go to vote at any of these voting centers they want. They no don't matter have to where go. you are in yeah, the city right? or the county. And we've also uh, talked about the switch from hand-marked paper ballots that we've had out here for decades in uh, Los Angeles County, now moving to the 100% unverifiable new touchscreen system for all voters at those voting centers. Uh, in both early voting and on Election Day. So how did early voting go on the first day out? For that, we turn to, uh, well, here we'll turn to uh, Libby Dankman, uh, who's doing a great job, by the way, reporting on this for the uh, for LAist.com. She writes, the day got off to a rocky start. Our staff visited seven vote centers on Saturday and at five of them, five of seven election workers had problems. Staff could not log in to the new ballot marking machines to get voting uh, started because they lacked the necessary barcodes. On social media, reporters and the public shared glitches. Oh, Libby uh, shared glitches. And by the way, these are not glitches. These are not glitches, hiccups, snags, or snafus. They are failures. When people can't vote, it's a failure. Luckily, this was early voting, so L.A. County has 10 days or so to get it right. Some of the, uh, some of the tweets out there from uh, various people trying to vote on Saturday. Uh, technology is posing some issues. The machines are facing technical difficulties, and poll workers can't get them ready for voters. Poll workers said that this morning was rocky and they lacked a needed barcode to turn the machines on. Someone else tweeted, 11 days of voting supposed to start in L.A. County today with new touchscreen machines, but at a vote center in Silver Lake, workers are having equipment problems and they say they are not ready to go, uh, not ready to open at 8 a.m., maybe 9 a.m. One voter has already left. The Village Voting Center in Pomona is turning away voters due uh, to no check-in system in place. Remember, the check-in system now for these new systems requires the Internet to work. 
basically it looks up your uses an electronic poll book to look up your uh, your voter registration to figure out where it is your precinct is supposed to be since you can vote at any voting center it prints out a barcode on a piece of paper you then take that piece of paper to another computer you put it in that's the touchscreen computer you make your selections it prints out what are supposedly your selections. You're supposed to verify it and then put it back into the computer. And then it is counted by, yes, a third computer, an optical scan system after uh, the polls close. What could possibly go wrong? The LAS reports as of mid-morning, county inspectors were making the rounds and troubleshooting. Uh, Denkman reports that many of the problems appeared to be resolved by about noon. But I heard from uh, other people who said that wasn't the case. Uh, someone here said she voted. Uh, she showed up for early voting at 4.30 p.m. She said, I went to early vote at the East Valley Sherman Oaks Adult Center. One of 11, uh, one of the 11 day centers opening February 22nd, meaning it's open for early voting for 11 days. She says, got there at 430 with a friend, two people standing in the arcade, safe from the way, safe from the rain, waving their arms, saying no equipment, can't vote here. No equipment not delivered. They said we've been waiting all day. She asked what happened. They shrugged. They said, we hear 40 locations got no equipment, most of them or a lot of them in the valley. Uh, I attempted to contact the registrar recorder, Dean Logan, uh, to ask what happened and if the problem ever got resolved at that Sherman Oaks Adult Center. I did not hear anything back from him. You will be uh, not surprised to hear, as that seems to be the case now. Yes, that's right. Yes. He does not like to respond to you at all. No, on for anything. some reason. There are a lot of uh, sites that opened properly and have been serving voters, the LAS reports, that uh, in a comment from Mike Sanchez, a spokesman for the county, he added that there were, quote, first day coordination issues having to do with equipment, supplies and facility access. He says we're working hard to get through those, getting every site operational and ready for the full run up to March 3rd. Well, that is good. Good news. Glad to hear it. They got 10 days. I'm sure they'll get everything worked out, right? Right, because, of course, that's yeah. what everybody wants. They really want you to... Well, I do, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, though, the, the, the sort of madness, as you've said yeah. before, of beta testing your mission-critical new system on a mission-critical election. In a live election. Yeah. Not a good idea, but I guess if you're going to do it, at least uh, do it start 10 days early so you can fix any problems. Yeah, uh, if we're going to be forced into this, then at least there is that none, small consolation. But none of the problems uh, regarding the unverifiability of the votes that are cast on these touchscreen systems, none of that can be uh, uh, worked out no matter what, no matter how smooth, no matter if they deliver all of the equipment and, you know, remember to turn it on and have the needed barcodes and everything else. Meanwhile, next door in Orange County, California, where until this year they had voted on 100% unverifiable touchscreens in Orange County. Well, guess what? They got rid of their touchscreens, and now they're voting on, yes, hand-marked paper ballot. Uh, they opened the doors on 38 vote centers over the weekend. More than uh, 150 other locations are scheduled to open uh, this coming Saturday. The Orange County Registrar, Neil Kelly, said in an email that it was a, quote, successful first day. Kelly said we had a very smooth opening. 
Honestly, I've been very pleased with the operations today. In contrast to L.A., as uh, Libby Dankman points out, most in-person voters in Orange County will be hand-marking their paper ballots at those vote centers. Ballot marking machines are available for people with uh, a language or a physical barrier for uh, use by disabled voters who choose to use them, for example. Uh, Orange County has also sent every registered voter a, a mail-in ballot under the 2016 Voters' Choice Act here in California. So uh, a lot of choices there, all of them hand-marked paper ballots. All of this is my way of reminding you that this is your last chance to get a vote-by-mail ballot uh, if you live in California, specifically in L.A., where you'll otherwise be forced to vote on these touchscreen systems. Your last chance is Tuesday, Tuesday night at midnight, February 25. If you go to lavote.net, you can request a hand-marked paper ballot, a vote-by-mail ballot that I recommend you deliver on or as close to Election Day at one of the voting centers in person. If you're counting on one of these so-called paper ballot options that is supposed to be available uh, at the voting centers, well, uh, that was one of the conditions that the Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, put in place when he gave conditional certification to this new touchscreen system in Los Angeles, that there must be hand-marked paper ballots available. Well, those would be these blank write-in ballots where you have to know the office and the candidate you wish to vote for. Uh, well, guess what? Uh, reports uh, that I was hearing from some of the folks who were out in the field reporting back to me on Saturday said that uh, at place after place they went in, they asked for one of these paper ballots, and the officials there knew nothing about it, said we don't have any paper ballots. That's a problem. Yes, it is. And it is one of the reasons why I'm telling folks to uh, in L.A., if you live here, go to LAVote.net and get yourself an absentee ballot. You have until Tuesday night, February 12th. I'm sorry, February 25th at midnight to do it at LAVote.net. Elsewhere, for example, hello, state of Georgia. Your election, uh, your primaries are coming up in a couple of weeks. Your secretary of state has forced all of you to vote by these touchscreen machines. Please see if you can get uh, uh, absentee ballot there to vote instead. Texas, many uh, uh, counties in Texas are uh, going to be using these type of uh, touchscreens. Try to vote absentee there. Anywhere where that is the case across the country, uh, fight like hell to get a hand-marked paper ballot in advance. And spread the word to any of your friends or family that live in any of these Super Tuesday states because the deadline is coming up. Help each other. We're going to have to help each other out of this mess. And I'm counting on you, yes you, to help your friends, family, and neighbors, no matter who they want to vote for, by the way. All right, we have to get out here. My thanks to our producer, uh, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us and for helping us out by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help Desi and me stay on your public airwaves to uh, issue this important advice. If you missed any portion of today's program, stop by bradblog.com and download it for free anytime. Share it with your friends, families, and neighbors. And you can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog, where I have very good, very smart, very important things to say that you're not going to want to miss and you're going to want to retweet, okay? 
Thank you. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh, 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 oh,